0: yeah okay go ahead hi everyone thank you for joining we're live, getting real with real estate every Wednesdays at 9 p.m. you could call in to ask your questions at 319-527-4160 or listening is 605-781-1200 now the Sinai radio has an app through the Apple Store, so if you have an iPhone, then head over and download our app, Sinai S Y N Y Radio. So your host today is Karen Beffar. We are um, we are going to speak about uh, over here. We talk about various topics having to do with real estate. Just to recap, tonight's our sixth uh, podcast, and we spoke a little bit in the beginning about the actual home buying process. You know the pre-approval and speaking to a mortgage broker, going over your numbers, how important and crucial that is. You know, this evening I we I met a buyer and they were saying that for over a year and a half they thought they were able to afford a certain number. And by working backwards and determining what their monthly payment really they want to stick to, even though they can't afford to borrow more they realize they're totally they're like over a hundred thousand off on the homes they were looking at so that's so important it saves so much like heartache and everyone's time and everything by getting a pre-approval not only having the pre-approval in your email in your inbox and having that ready to go when you're ready to make an offer but also knowing your numbers and knowing what monthly payment am I comfortable paying So working backwards helps a lot of people, and tonight was a case in point. I was working, I am working with a buyer for a while, and even though, you know, I could suggest certain things and push things, but when, you know, push comes to shove and people crunch their numbers, the bottom line is their monthly payments. So then we, you know, we discussed a little bit about submitting a written offer, you know, different etiquettes when you're going to look at a home, you know, buyers, when you're, you know, if there are tenants there, to be courteous, and if an owner is there, just do as if you're owning the house and someone's coming and invading your privacy. How would you, you know, you would want to react to that? We discuss um, being open-minded and going uh, look, looking at homes, even though you, you know, made a list of what's important to you and your family members, your spouse, whoever's looking together. What's important to you? Make a list of the must-haves. But even the must-haves are generally negotiable. Not always, generally, but as you you move along, like the, a buyer that we're working with this week, they would never ever go to a certain neighborhood. It was not even in their radar. But when push you know comes to shove, and they have a great offer on their home that they're selling, they might consider an area that you know they wouldn't necessarily consider earlier. So just be open-minded and going to look, just broaden your search a little bit. So, believe it or not, there are some neighborhoods that people think, oh, like, I'll, you know, it's starting out. And I'm like, it already started out like five years ago. It's not starting out. Like Marine Park, when someone tells me, you know, Marine Park is, you know, it's starting out. I'm like, there are, you know, tons of schools there. It's already an established community. People, you know, look for upgrades in Marine Park. They don't look always necessarily to move out of Marine Park. So, you know, when I grew up in Marine Park, there was no one there. Um... So basically, we went through that, and what I want to discuss a little bit today before we get into the different, you know, Q&A questions that I got, um, feel free if anyone's listening in, you could call in your questions at 319-527-4160. So basically, I wanted to just give a little bit of a, you know, market update of where the market is at and where it is you know, where it is compared to a few months ago, a year ago, year and a half ago, where do we see it going? So a lot of buyers and sellers that are not in the market. They have either a family member that bought recently, a neighbor, someone from Schul or just people that they know hearsay, I would say. Zillow. They it's just so confusing to know you know, what your home is worth, and where the market is at, people are, that's like the number one question I get wherever I go, like, how's the market, I, I get that like so many times a week, so um, I could constantly and honestly say now, you know, August 7th, if someone would ask me how's the market, I would say great, it's a healthy market, there are insane amounts of showings happening on properties, there are offers that, Definitely, the homes that are priced well, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, are getting more action and more movement. But where's the market? It's a healthy market. It's an adjusting market. Definitely, the homes are not what where it was, you know, a year ago. The prices are not like that. But I would say like from eighteen months ago and on, you started to slowly see the the, the market adjusting. I would list homes, I would say a month we were in contract, it was not even a given. I would take a month exclusive, that's how fast the homes would sell. So right now, basically the average time on market for a single family in Midwood, Flatbush as some people refer to it, Marine Park is approximately four months, that's average time on market. So when How's the market? It's a healthy market. There are definitely the buyer's confidence in the market is very evident because how do I see that? I see that by the calls we get, the showings we have. We just listed a home earlier this week, two days ago. Yes, two days ago on Monday. And we had you know over 15 people come today. That's a in the pouring rain, whoever's in Brooklyn listening. So... I would say that's a very healthy sign. That's a sign that the market is healthy. It's moving. Buyers are, you know, coming back. Earlier this year, I would say late fall, early winter, yeah, like October, November, December, January, the market was literally super quiet. Like many brokers were like, it's eerily quiet. We would have maybe like one showing every week as opposed to like 20, 30 showings, so at least, so basically, the market definitely started to like, you know, get moving, the buyer's confidence that it is a healthy market, there's no recession, it's just adjusting, and people, you know, oh, everywhere I go, people want to know why, why is it changing, why is it not as high as it was three years ago, or a year and a half ago? Generally, sellers ask me that, because buyers are thrilled, now they can actually think of buying something in Brooklyn, um, the sellers generally want to know why is it not the same market? And in other terms, that means why am I not getting the same price that you know, you sold my neighbor's house eight months ago? So I always say your neighbor's house that I sold eight months ago, it closed eight months ago. That means it was on, on the market three, four months before. It was in contract three months before that. And then it was on the market for a few months. So that's like a year and change. That's a totally different market. So how's the market? The market is an adjusting market. Definitely have to keep up weekly with what new listings came up and what's the inventory, what's moving, what's not moving. And you know, when I work with sellers, I like to give them a weekly update where things are holding because believe it or not, the market that we have right now is not the market we had July 4th weekend a few weeks ago so just to put things into perspective I'll share a little bit about what the actual numbers are if someone's looking to buy or sell in Midwood it could be a little bit shocking in a good way or a bad way (laughs) in a good way meaning if a seller has no clue what they bought their house 43 years ago and they paid like one eighty five literally, and it could be worth one point two now, so that's where it's uh shocking in a good way and in um in a you know not such a great way is someone who bought their home forty two years ago and now their kids want to buy and it used to be everyone who eventually bought a house. it was like a given you know if you were you know, wealthier, you bought a bigger house, and if you couldn't afford it, you bought a simpler house. But today, it's not necessarily, you know, that case always. Um, So I like to put things into perspective. Someone that bought 42 years ago, and they're used to the prices of in the ones or twos, when, you know, their children are coming and asking for help or they want their opinion on buying a home now, a starter home in Flapush is in the eights in Marine Park in the 8th, so it's very different than it was years ago and it could be surprising in both ways. So just to throw out like some numbers to put things into perspective I would say um, the, a one-family starter home in Flatbush, people call Flatbush um, Midwood, Midwood could be East 36th and Midwood could be East 4th, so it varies But in general, if someone's looking at Midwood Proper, a starter home, three bedroom, two bath, semi-attached, shared driveway, typical starter home, it's generally between 800 and a million, generally. Let's say closer to eight would be if it needs more work, closer to a million, could be private carport, more renovated, could be a little more than a million. This is a general one-family starter home in those markets, in Marine Park. I would say the difference between Midwood and Marine Park, there used to be a much wider gap and a lot of buyers who are Marine Park buyers would never buy in Midwood because it was like 300,000 different at times or 250 but now the gap has gotten much smaller because it's a growing community and it's already built up, it's not I'm waiting for it to be built up, it's already a established community so that The price between Midwood and Marine Park has the gap has you know definitely shortened, and so if in Midwood proper it's eight hundred to a million in Marine Park, I would say it's like seven to nine, seven to eight fifty basically. So that's like the three bedroom starter home. This is all approximate, you know. We just sold a house a four bedroom for nine sixty, needed some work. So it's this is just a general. I know I'm gonna get like tons of messages, and I was saying anything a million to a million. Five, approximately, is that like next step starter home? Like a four, or five bedroom could have a den, probably has a private driveway, detached you would hope. So that's more like the one four one, f- a million million five, more than a million. It's like a million one million two. It's the next level home. Like you bought a starter home, you're growing out of it. You have kids, you know, getting married. You need that extra space. But you're not a luxury, two million dollar buyer and up. But you need that like bigger space. So I call it the next level home, I guess you would say. Um, and then you have the you know one five and up, one six, one seven and up is more like. Also could be four, five, six bedrooms. It depends on the condition that drives the price up. Depends if it's a forty lot, a fifty, you know things like that. Whoever's listening and they're not from Brooklyn. I know anywhere out of the area we work, everyone goes by square footage, like it's a 4,000 square feet, I don't even know the square footage of the homes in Tom's River or Pomona and things like that. But in Midwood, in Brooklyn, we go by the lot and build. So 20 by 100 is the standard small home in Midwood. That's like the smallest home you probably could find. There are some irregulars. And then in Marine Park, the smallest home in Marine Park are like the realty homes, they call them. Those are 18 by 100 lots. So those are like the standard starter homes. And then the next level could be a 25 or a 30 by 100. And then the bigger homes are 40, 50. You get the 60 or 80 lots, which are the insane monster homes. But uh, generally, the ones that go for like One three, one four, and up are like 40 by 100s, generally, 35, 40s. And that's considered like a more higher-end home. You know, in Brooklyn, we also have co-ops, which is a little different than a condo. People always ask the difference. So, for example, a co-op, you own shares. You don't own the actual deed, the actual property, like a home. Condo is similar to a home. It's a real property. And a co-op, you own shares. Basically you could sell it as you wish, you have to go through a much more extensive board process and be approved. But those are the cheapest um, apartments. There are studio apartments that go in the low ones, mid ones. Then there are the one bedrooms that are like 250 300 again this is Midwood Marine Park approximately. And then you have the two bedroom, two bath co-ops that are like in the fours. So. Those are generally co ops. There's a monthly maintenance fee for that. And then when you go into condos, there's different. There's two bed, two bath condos are going in the sixes. We have a five bedroom condo going in the eights. So these are just the prices. I like to like just put it out there when I meet buyers and when I meet sellers or just people who are asking me like how's the market? Sometimes I like to throw out different numbers if it makes sense or our conversation. Just so they know like where the market is at, where it's holding. And that's basically it. You know, an important point that hi, I wanted Karen. to bring
1: up. Karen. Is... Karen, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, Karen. It's Stephen Perillis.
0: Oh, hi, Stephen. How are you? The best real estate attorney. Good, how me. are you? Good. There's a
1: great explanation between condos and co op
0: You could chime in and add anything else. You were like, you're like the master at sure. co-op and condos, so let's hear it. <laughs>
1: I don't know if I'm the master, but, you know, you were speaking a little earlier about um, price fluctuations and and whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market and how the market's doing. And and I get that question a lot as well from uh, purchasers. And I think the bottom line is if someone is serious about buying a house, you know, they want to move their family to a specific location, they're looking to grow, uh, and stay there for an extended amount of time. There is not going to be a tremendous difference, in my opinion, between a high market and a lower market. It's not going to be a difference of $200,000. Maybe, maybe on an extreme in Brooklyn, it will be a difference of 100000 But we're talking otherwise about 50000 70000 which if you're planning on living in the house for a decade, two decades plus, it's not going to make a huge difference. Um, where there can be a difference is in interest rates. We've seen interest rates in the last two years swing from, you know, 3% to close to 5%. Right. But that's something that, you know, we could inform buyers slash borrowers that they could always refinance on. So if someone finds a house that that they think it's for them, it's for their family, and, and they enjoy You know they would enjoy living there um they should you know as long as they could afford it they should grab it and not worry as much about the price if they're living there long term because something that's swinging from 700 to 800 is going to change many times over decades um something that you buy for 700 today we would hope in 10 years from now is going to be way beyond that Uh, brooklyn has proven to be that way over the last few decades um, and if in a year's interest rates lower, you could always refinance at that time, and, and it could substantially lower your uh, your monthly payment.
0: Yes, I, I, that, that was a good perspective. It's a very true one. Sometimes, you know, buyers get so, or sellers, so into the actual number, and I get it. You know, when you talk about, you know, 300000 and 500000 and $1.1 $1. 1 and $1. $1.3, it's so much money, and like... Sometimes you lose sight of, like, just take a step back, you know, take a look at it from a bird's eye view and just put the facts down. And, you know, if you could take your emotions aside for a little bit, you, it's exactly what you said. Like, it fluctuates a little. It's like, you know, a cycle. Exactly. Thanks for Right, that.
1: And, and over time it's going to change. You know, you may buy a house that you think is a good deal at 800000 and in a year, for one reason or another, it may go down to seven seventy five. But in the long term of, of you know... 10 plus years, it's going to go up and down many times and hopefully more times up than down.
0: Right, but it's a cycle, so it goes down and up. Exactly, that's part of, part of the home ownership, uh, the beauties, one of the beauties of home ownership.
1: But what's nice about uh, the areas that you specialize in is that it's
0: always historically been.
1: Of course. <laughs> um, it, it's always been historically a, a strong market. So even when when things have gone down nationally, uh, a house that was a million dollars in in a downturn in Brooklyn would maybe go down. I don't know, nine hundred, eight seventy-five. I don't think it would even dip to eight fifty. But you know, that's how much will go down. If you want to look at other markets in our country, a million dollar apartment in Miami, facing the water, beautiful apartment could literally go down to as low as 350000 in a recession. Wow. So that's something that in certain markets, um, people would really have to worry about. You know, the, I'm sure, you know, Anyone who, who watches, you know, who watches that movie The Big Short, or, or, or keeps in, in in touch with what's going on nationally, there's these new developments that are built around the country, and you can have these beautiful developments where they're selling properties for six hundred thousand, and they could go down to one hundred and fifty thousand. But that's not going to happen in Flappers.
0: Right. The, the value is also because we all want to live close to each other. The value would always maintain itself. Right. That's true. Yeah. Why do you think that about Miami? Or, or in other Well areas. I think it's, I, I, well,
1: the, the reason why I think it's the way it is in Miami is because if you know Miami at all, you have Collins Avenue, which is the main street in Miami uh-huh. that runs a few hundred blocks. Almost every building is either a hotel or a residential yes. apartment.
0: Okay. I don't know
1: how many units are on Collins Avenue along the entire stretch of what is it, maybe two, 300 blocks block. I, there's over a million units easily. That's, so, so that's one reason. There's an overabundance of, of yes. product.
0: The inventory. second reason
1: is, right, there's a ton of inventory. And the second reason is many people who purchase in Miami are purchasing secondary. So for, it's a secondary property. So if there is a downturn in someone's income or business, the first thing they're going to give up is their secondary property before they give up their primary property.
0: Right. Very good point. That's very true. Um
1: Separately, and the reason why things don't go down as much in areas like Flatbush is because Flatbush is not a community that any average American moves to. I mean, there's certain communities of people who want to be within a certain square mile radius because it's close to their synagogues or it's close to their children's schools, and that commands a value. I can tell you I live in Great Neck now, and... Great Neck has different sub-areas within it. And there are some beautiful areas within Great Neck that are not walking distance to the synagogue. And because of that, the prices are at least 30% less. Wow. And the houses could be nicer. But because they're not walking distance to the synagogue, it's a lot cheaper. And so mm-hmm. that really plays uh, you know, a big role, a, yeah. the proximity, a big role in, in yeah, prices. Exactly. And that's something yeah. that a lot of brokers... Who are not attuned to the specific neighborhoods won't understand. So you, you are a pro when it comes to Flapus. But if you get a Manhattan attorney, who, or rather a Manhattan broker, who somehow picks up a client and they're looking in Flapus, they may not understand that.
0: Exactly, it's it's very different. I speak to brokers who work, not necessarily, um, you know, with you know the same clientele that I'm working with and. You know, by me, a home could be worth literally 200000 more if it's a block over, not backing a main street. And it sounds like so crazy to some people. Like, why would someone pay 200000 to live on a block just because the other families are like you? But it's just, that's part of our, that's part of what we do. Exactly. Thank right. you. It,
1: it, it, of course. It was nice uh, chatting with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And whoever's listening, if anyone wants to uh, <laughs> ask or add anything, feel free to join the colon line is three one nine five two seven four one six zero
1: Don't be shy <laughs>
0: Have a good
1: night
0: okay, good night, thanks Stephen. So basically that's just sums up a little bit of you know how the market's doing, so people tell me is it a good market? Is it a bad? Should I wait It's just an adjusting market it's changing you know that it goes up, it goes down. If you own a piece of property it's you know you you have a home, you have it, you have a property it's highly has value so that's just a little bit about what I'm going to discuss today if anyone has any other questions feel free to reach out I know one, one question came in regarding I mentioned once on one of the podcasts about um, a warranty that you could buy on your water bill whoever bought a home congratulations or if you own a home and you didn't know about this or if you're renting and you're looking to buy Keep in mind, there is, you know, when you buy a home, you you have to switch the electricity and the gas under your name. But another bill that you, another benefit of being a homeowner, you have to pay water, your water bill, under the, the DP. That's the, uh, you know, the company who takes care of it, Depri- Department of Environmental Protection, I guess. So the water goes on the house. So a lot of times you'll hear by closings, hopefully by your own closing you're here, it says, um, "Did you do the final water bill, you know, reading, because electric and gas, you, if you're, you have an account with Keyspan, you know, the gas company, so basically you're moving, you close it, you move it to your new place, and they just send you the bill. But the water bill goes on a specific address, not necessarily the person. So um, you have to make sure that the house, before it transfers over to the new owner, The water bill is paid they read the final you know the meter and it's paid a lot of times they put money in escrow with an attorney just to make sure that was taken care of so there is a special warranty that came out exactly about seven years ago six seven years ago it comes out like fifteen dollars a month very very cost it's a great great warranty plan basically any any main, you know, sewer pipes or pipes right outside from your homes to the street, the the water line, any issue with that, they would come and fix the whole thing. When I bought um exactly this it came around when I bought my house, it was like six, seven years ago. So we had this warranty, we had, you know, major um a crack in our main sewer line outside the house not the internal line they came and fixed the whole thing it was like almost a twenty thousand dollar problem so i'll leave the number here you can look it up just to make you aware it's one eight 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 three zero zero three five seven zero. 300 3570 you can look that up when you get your water bill it's on the water bill you could sign up for this warranty And thank you again for tuning in tonight, Getting Real with Real Estate with Karen Beffar of the Beffar team. And have a great night. All the best. Looking forward to next Wednesday at 9 p.m.